This content is issued by Zeus Capital Limited, which is authorised and regulated in the United Kingdom by the Financial Conduct Authority, the designated investment business, and is a member firm of the London Stock Exchange. Nothing in this podcast should be viewed as investment advice. Listeners should consult an investment professional before making any decisions regarding topics mentioned in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not of Zeus. Please note that participants in this podcast may have financial interests in the matters discussed. Hi, I'm Nick Searle, a member of the Zeus Equity Sales Team and host of A Different Perspective. Here we interview interesting characters from the world of business and finance and uncover a different perspective. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts or contact me at live at zeuscapital.co.uk. It's Wednesday, the 25th of January. With me today, I have Zoe Watkins. Zoe is the co-founder of SunGod. SunGod is a fast-growing performance eyewear challenger brand for run, bike, snow and every day. With full year 22 revenues of 8 million and a CAGR of 60% since 2015, there is a plan to grow revenue to 45 million over the next four years. Fans include the Ineos Grenadiers and Britannia teams, the McLaren F1 team, the England rugby team, the Lionesses and even the Princess of Wales. Zoe, welcome. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure completely. Let's start with how a marketing executive and an architect come to founding a performance eyewear brand. So I'll have to go back a little way now. Um, about 10 years ago, um, Ali and I met at Manchester University. He was studying architecture. I was studying international business. Um, it was actually a, quite a fortuitous few weeks. Um, Ali was due to um, go on an architecture kind of end of term trip, um, lost his passport, so didn't have anything else to do. So everyone else was, um, uh, you know, full swing in exams. So he ended up teaching himself how to code, as you do, um, and uh, coming up with um, what was our first business together, kind of a passion close to our hearts, very linked to the skiing, um, Hats for the Hills. So, yep. that was, so that's sort of where it started. That was very much custom. It was tapping into, Ali and I were both in the ski club. Um, Ali was on the committee. Um, so he's my co-founder, business partner, and now husband. Um, and so the really, that was our first foray into business. Um, we had a lot of links with ski clubs, and that was a great way for us to actually dip our toe in the water, have something to kind of go straight into after university. So it was basically custom crochet bobble hats um, that people could design with very bright, Larry colors at the time. Um, and we went out to all the university ski clubs. That was sort of my side of things reaching out to all the committees saying, do you want bright bobble hats to yep. brand up your club? Um, Ali worked on the tech side of things, you know, creating a custom designer where people could really choose what color bobble, et cetera, that they wanted. Um, and it really grew from there. So so that's, I guess, in some ways where Sungod started. And then how did you transition from bobble hats to to ski goggles and sunglasses, et cetera. So we we launched that fresh out of university in 2012 um, and or a, a little bit before then. Um, and really we sort of, it became clear, it was very popular. Every winter sort of got busier and busier, um, but it became very clear very quickly to us. It was very seasonal business. Yeah. It was small, it was very, everything was handmade. So. And hard to scale. Exactly. Very hard to scale. It was us doing it. We did get a team of kind of hat makers where we were dropping around wool to them, you know, in our evenings after work and, you know, when we were doing internships and so on. Um, but it exactly it wasn't really a long term business um, that had, you know, really big potential. So naturally, we sort of it turned our attention to 
how could we de-seasonalize? This was a very winter focused business. How could we de-seasonalize that business? So our attention turned to right the summer, you know, what, what sells in the summer? What opportunities are there to make this a year round business? And that's sort of where we started looking into sunglasses. Um, and it became very clear very quickly that there were, it was a very polarizing market with, without no pun intended, but there were the, the really expensive big brands, very high quality, very renowned. Um, and then at the other spectrum, there was the fast fashion, effectively the high street, you know, the pairs that broke within a couple of wares or after one holiday. So it quickly became clear to us that there was a real opportunity for, you know, someone to come in and do things quite differently, similar to what we've done to hats, you know, something a bit different, custom. Um, there was definitely an opportunity there. And that's where sort of Ali and I on, on the side of our jobs at the time started researching uh, and putting our attention into what we could launch in that space and really do things better. What could we do that was better that, than, you know, what already existed and that's sort of where the where the idea began. And then can you talk a little bit about the Sungloss market, the incumbents, and, and how you as Sungod fit within within those? The, the main one that we always look to uh, personally is Oakley. Um, they stand for quality. They've been around a very long time. Um, they've also gone through an incredible journey of working with some of the world's best athletes and, you know, developing products, which essentially in their industry were renowned as a sort of first class. Um, that's one of our sort of major competitors, but it became very clear to us very quickly that actually what they were doing, there was a lot of brand inflation. Um, you know, the eyewear industry is dominated by a, a few now small, uh, a few, sorry, big players, um, and it's become rather consolidated. Oakley included, you know, is now owned by Luxottica, along with Sunglasses Hut, along with some of the, you know, the brands that you'll know about. So it became very clear very quickly that actually they were starting to lose touch, or we felt they were, with the with the consumer themselves. There was a shift towards buying direct from brands where you can own that relationship, you can delight customers, you can really control that experience. Um, and it became clear to us that that was slightly slightly tailing off with some of the, the previous brands and also that there was a brand inflation that people weren't necessarily happy to happy to continue paying, particularly if the products were breaking or you'd lose them. And, and apart from your Sun God base in Verbier, you are you are direct to consumer, aren't you, uh, on, online? Yeah, that's been very much in our core of our ethos from day one, owning that relationship, um, being able to have a very quick feedback loop with our customers. So if there's something wrong or something they want to see, we own that relationship and they can tell us directly and we can instantly feed it back as a small brand into what we're doing. Um, and that's been pretty integral to yeah, how we how we built the business. Uh, and then how does that challenger brand grow? I mean, what's the what is how you, why is it a challenger brand? How are you taking on Oakley? I know recently um, you must be very, very chuffed that Ineos Grenadiers have <laughs> displaced Oakley for, for Sungod for their, for their riding team. But but how you know, can you talk a little bit more about about how you fit and what you deliver that, that Oakley doesn't maybe? Our mantra really is see better. Um, so that's sort of covers a few different things. Um, it's kind of better through our lenses, um, through our actions and through also doing business better. So I'll, I'll start perhaps with our products. Um, we've designed designed a product kind of in-house from ground up 
that has better materials. So that covers our material that we actually build the sunglasses with. It's a memory, incredibly durable memory polymer um, that actually is designed to last a very, very long time. And coupled with that, we actually offer a lifetime guarantee. So if you manage to break them, it's very difficult. <laughs> um, if you do manage to break them, you can send them back to us. We'll repair them, we'll replace the parts and we'll send them back to you. And that's actually been in our business since day one. Um, it was something that as we were getting prototypes, Ali sort of said, right, I, I really think that, you know, we can offer a lifetime guarantee with these products that they're so strong. We want to, we, we need to offer something that's better. I mean, it's, worked, I think, it, it's worked very well for Patagonia, hasn't it? I mean, yeah, they're obviously a best, best case example. It's, it's been phenomenal for, for what they're doing. And, and I think at the time, I'll be honest, we have very different risk profiles. My thought was, no, what if everyone returned them? You know, what, what we wouldn't have a business. Um, but actually, the proof has sort of been in the pudding, if you like. It's less than 1%, actually, as a proportion of people who do send them back. Um, so, But those customers who do feel really delighted. I think they feel like, wow, they've got the, the Sungod experience. They've been able to sort of replace and not not have to come to us again for a new pair um so, so back to your question yeah i think that's that's partly at the core you know doing making products that are better and that also now transcends to our lenses so always pushing forward the um the realms of what quality constitutes so we have polycarbonate lenses as our sort of base which is in line with industry standard oakley but we've now introduced our 8ko lenses which are built of nylon they're actually optically superior than polycarbonate. Not many other brands are offering them, certainly the likes of sort of Oakley aren't and, and others sort of 100%, you know, they're not, they are more expensive to produce, but they are better. And so that's something that we've been quite, quite proud to introduce more recently um, and to continue that ethos of always making better products and kind of chipping away at, you know, the standards that we've previously, previously set for ourselves. And then with everything designed in-house, how do, how do two young people go and find a, a manufacturer in the Far East? What, what was the process there? Absolutely. Yeah, it was so it was a it was quite a granular process, really. There was a lot of researching online. There was also um, an eyewear conference we actually went to in Italy, in Milan. Um, at the time, we were both in jobs, and I remember my boss saying to me, "Why are you going to Milan? You know, are there much, much more romantic, you know, better cities to go to?" And sort of, the the cat was the cat wasn't out yet, so I was saying, "Oh, you know, we're just going going for a long weekend. Never seen it." But um, yeah, it was a huge eyewear conference, and that was that combined with the online research, we were able to meet meet um, suppliers um, and I'm sure this exists for anyone listening looking to launch business in another industry I'm sure this sort of fair exists for lots of other industries but it was a great way in truth it actually you know allowed us there was the European hall there was the Far East hall we went to both looking fairly young as we were at the time kind of mid-20s um, spoke to both the Europeans and Far East and actually it became very clear very quickly that um, you know the Italians and other renowned manufacturers was sort of you know right you can have this but we're not going to make any changes have it off the peg you know not laughing at us but you know in a, in a way not yeah. really taking us seriously and then actually speaking to some of the far east manufacturers there it became very clear that they were actually willing to make changes they were willing to listen to our thoughts we want to do things a bit differently we don't just want to order catalog number four zero five um so that was really the start of meeting a few a few key manufacturers and actually I'm sort of proud to say that we've been working with the same manufacturer actually since day one we've 
been on multiple visits not so much recently <laughs> yeah. um you know to see them and actually that we've grown as they've grown which yeah is was a daunting task but actually it was really quite rational and logical the way we approached it sort of getting prototypes from various different manufacturers something that actually took longer than we expected so it was a bit frustrating we wanted to launch in kind of may june and we were kept getting different prototypes through um but it was a really useful way to actually be able to compare the quality of different manufacturers side by side based on the same brief um and actually a relatively inexpensive i'll, I'll be honest way to to launch a business you know we we had a some savings um, but not substantial savings and nothing you know it was just actually reallocating those funds to, to something that could be part of our, our future I guess. And then your manufacturing partner has a lot of capacity so as you grow can you grow with them? Yeah so far we've been able to um, we're sort of we're working on things like diversification currently um, just as we do grow and as our product range extends um, but we've worked quite hard on maintaining that relationship and expectations and and as we've grown, you know, it has been, it's been nearly 10 years, actually 10 years this July. <laughs> um, so yeah, as we've grown, I think they, they have been able to scale up and meet that, meet that demand. And that's been a kind of iterative process. Um, we haven't seen explosive growth. I've actually, I'd actually say we've grown fairly, fairly strong, but fairly, you know, um, methodically over the last 10 years to get to the scale we are now. And perhaps that's maybe helped with, helped with that, um, that relationship. And I guess you can fit a lot of sunglasses and ski goggles into one container. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're fortunate with that. I think um, we were able to be quite responsive because, you know, cash flow is hard when you're a new business. We we, um, we weren't able to kind of ship things by sea and, you know, things like that. Um, we had to be quite responsive to what we could afford. Um, we were completely self-funded for the best part of sort of six, seven years, um, reinvested profits. So um, we actually had to do things like ship by sea and live live a bit hand to mouth yeah. um, to sort of prove the model. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to actually say that now um, it was actually last quarter that, um, yeah, we've actually managed to transition. A lot of our impact and our carbon footprint came from that freight. Yes. Um, and I'm pleased to say that I think now it's, um, it's switched completely so it's 60 percent by sea freight and we're still working to get that much better so it's been an iterative process i'd say the whole the whole you know brand brand journey um but it's exciting to be in a better financial position to actually be able to look ahead a bit more and then i guess price and sustainability are big parts of of your offering um you recently received b corp status Yes, we did. It was very exciting. It took, took about 18 months to actually achieve that. Um, I'd say, as I mentioned, sustainability has sort of been in our core since day one, that lifetime guarantee and that commitment to see that customer journey through and make a product which doesn't have built-in obsolescence or isn't just going to break on the second wear. Um, so it's very much been built in since our inception. Um, but I think as, as we've grown as a business, we've kind of recognized our collective impact on you know on the planet and on the community and their buying patterns and behaviors so a few years ago um, we decided to go after b corp certification it's you know obviously that the industry benchmark in terms of if you can you know have that stamp of approval that even just adds credibility to what we're doing you know that we are genuine it transcends every single area of our business um so it was it was a long process, um, but it actually allowed us to sort of professionalize. It allowed a lot of 
a lot of frameworks and principles that we were living by anyway as a business we had to prove it you know we had to we had to put it down on paper we had to make it a guideline we had to change our articles you know to actually make sure that people and planet were on the same level footing as profit and that's sort of been close to our heart kind of for a few years so um it's exciting to be able to um sort of show the world that actually yeah this transcends everything we're doing operations we We've also um, kind of achieved carbon neutral. We sort of backdated that until our inception in 2013. Um, and we're sort of moving towards a point where in the future we will get to net zero. So yeah, it feels it feels very good to be doing things. I think it's easy to forget sometimes, but we are doing things very differently. If you look at the wider landscape of sunglasses, you know, that model is outdated really. It's you buy a pair, you might have a warranty for one year, you know, and, and that might be it and then they'll be lost or broken and you'll buy another pair to actually create that that consumer mindset that that says I'm going to look after my gear um, and I'm not going to kind of replace it every single year. And then I guess that that must resonate very well that sustainability part with your with your athletes and ambassadors. Yeah absolutely I think um, our athletes and ambassadors have been yeah an extension of what we're doing they've been a fantastic way since day one actually to get our message out there because they're out there living you know living the dream you know doing those sports inspiring their fans and their community so for us it's been a fantastic way to transcend them that message a lot of them obviously are either skiing and they're seeing you know or out in the elements and they're seeing much more firsthand perhaps than some of us you know depending mm-hmm. on where we where we will live in you know in England or elsewhere they're seeing firsthand the impact of climate change um and I think they they their voice their collective voice allows us to actually push push that message much further and much wider and I think that trajectory of working with ambassadors along the way and now to the likes of yeah Ineos Grenadiers and McLaren and actually the partner reach now is is far far greater but I think we still our community spreading our spreading our message and actually bringing more and more people over from the likes of you know Ray-Ban, Oakley, Luxottica I think is is a huge huge um a huge string in our bow really to have so many people who are so so engaged and you have a wonderful ability to customize your product don't you as a as a as a purchaser as a customer I can always I always generate a unique pair of sunglasses through color and etc and straps definitely that's been again in, in our um on our custom sunglasses designer since day one in fact I think when we launched we actually asked on, the, on our Facebook page, what colours, you know, do you want to see in the range? What do you want to see next? And I definitely think that adds another element of a USP really versus the other brands. It's completely free. It's included in what we're doing. It's it's a way in which you can add a bit of personality, your stamp to it. You might want to buy a pair for a friend and they might, you know, you might want to choose their colours and give them something different. And it's a way that actually a lot of people can wear Sun God, but not, not all be wearing the same thing and feel like they've got that individuality um to to the purchase and then if you look forward what's the five-year vision where does the growth where does the further growth in this business come from yes it's a a great question I think for me for me I feel like we've only just scratched the surface and I think I'm probably always going to feel like that as a founder because there is always more that you can be doing Um, but genuinely if you kind of look at it we were quite a small team for quite a long time. It was Ali and myself for several years before we dared to hire our first employee. Um, and since then, you know, it's been it's been an amazing journey. I think um, we absolutely want to become, you know, the leading <laughs> a direct to consumer eyewear brand in the world. We think we've got we've laid the groundwork for that. We've um, 
you know, we haven't held back. We've invested in B Corp. We've invested in people. We've invested in, you know, a lot of things that set a really strong foundation. We haven't cut corners. Um, and I think that, you know, I think that stands us in very good stead. We want to stay focused on eyewear. There's a lot of things, exciting kind of things in the pipeline. Uh, one notable one being prescription um, sunglasses and prescription eyewear. It's something that we've been asked about a lot <laughs> from our customer base over the years. Um, and that's something that we're in the process of developing now and launching in spring this year. So we definitely feel like that's going to be a big growth lever and add to add to the number of customers that we can serve um, and the number of people who can actually buy into the Sungle brand. I think another big sort of expansion um, area for us is obviously going spreading our reach much more globally. So um, notably the USA, um, we have a strong cohort there already. Um, an organic cohort that's sort of growing, growing, but, you know, doesn't get a lot of attention or focused attention from us to date. So that's a big focus for kind of the whole team at the moment, how we actually take what we've done, you know, in, in Europe and actually, um, you know, take it to places in America where we know that customers are already buying, they're, they're active, they care about the environment, you know, they're, they're very sporty because a lot of our customers, you know, the number of sports they do is high. It's, it's sort of built into their everyday, what we call everyday. So I think there's a huge opportunity to kind of take what we've done, learn from it and actually reach new markets. Um, no, yeah, notably the USA, but also kind of other markets, Australasia and beyond. I mean, am I right in thinking that you shipped to over 100 countries last year? Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> So, so yeah, already already a global <laughs> business, but just with greater chance of penetration in in maybe Australasia and and the Americas. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's there's still lots more we can do. Even languages, you know, even the rest of Europe. We're folk, we're we don't want to spread up, spread ourselves too thin this year, um, you know, because we know that even the team they're so motivated. It's hard, you know. Sometimes we actually have to say, right, what does success constitute this year? We can't do it all. Time is finite. So where are the biggest opportunities? Um, but things like with our Sungle Base Camp store here, we have customers, you know, physically coming in every day from all over the world. And actually, that's, that's a fantastic driver for us that they take Sungles home, they take them back to their countries and actually spread the word there. So we're confident there's a natural organic growing base from that. But yeah, we have to sort of choose strategically where we go next. And that makes a lot of sense. And then what drives you? For me, um, it's a great question and it's probably one that's evolved in the last in the last 10 years. Um, the, the overriding thing for me is uh, making making a change and actually seeing things, the work you put into your own business and in the team particularly, that's quite a strong passion working with people for me and seeing, seeing them achieve, seeing them do new things, seeing them kind of adopt principles that Ali and I started with the business, but take them and do it far better than we've done. So I think it's really the fact that when you run your own business, you can see change every day. I'm not twiddling my thumbs. I'm not doing anything for the sake of it. I'm not filling out admin forms. I'm I'm really doing things which actually add value and I'll see the tangible result of them that day, that week, the following month. Um, and I think for me, that's part of, part of sort of why I left sort of the more corporate world, if you like, mm -hmm. wanting a, a bit more. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's more recently, it's really the people, the people in our business, our tribe, as we call them, they're fantastic and they're sort of, bringing new ideas to us all the time. And the more time I spend kind of investing in those people, the more I sort of, yeah, see the potential, I guess, of what we're creating and what we what we can do in the future. 
that makes a lot of sense. Now, my regular listeners will know that I like to close with three questions. Zoe, your greatest inspiration or mentor? It's a good question. One, one I had to think quite hard about because I wouldn't say there's anyone actually sort of externally um, and not to sound cheesy, but um, I would actually say it's, it's my dad, particularly in the last few years. He's sort of not just the voice of reason, you know, when inevitably growing a business is hard and then um, he always says if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. <laughs> um, and that that always find that quite, quite reassuring. But um, it's not just that it's sort of the levity sometimes he's able to bring. Um, to a situation and you know the perspective perhaps from experience um, but just that that extra layer of either a soundboard when things inevitably get tough running your own business and you need that sort of external perspective advice um, or just the levity to say you know don't worry nothing's forever it's okay (laughs) you know it's all going to be okay Um, so yeah I certainly think he's um, been it behind the scenes I think helping me at those moments where yeah inevitably things things need some input it's amazing how many times parents come up actually is great really absolutely (laughs) Uh, and a book that's inspired you I I must admit the last couple of books I've read have actually been parenting books so um I wouldn't say inspiring on that front but but the one before that I read um Ali and I both read actually was the hard thing about hard things um by Ben Horowitz um, and it was a point, I think it was a, yeah, it was a pivotal point in the business where we were growing quite quickly. The team was expanding. It felt like there was a lot of change happening. Um, and I think as much as anything for me, and I don't know if there are other, other founders of businesses listening, but it was almost a reassurance that this is, you know, this can get messy, this can get tricky and it's normal. You know, that is part of the journey and you will find your way and you might mess up or you might you might learn from certain pivotal things and it might be uncomfortable. And um, I think it was just that. Yeah, I, I found it a very honest, very raw depiction of obviously you know, his his business was on a much bigger scale to ours. But still, I think the lessons transcend and what he really sort of was talking about at a certain point in the book was the honesty and those honest conversations that you have with your team and you bring them in on that and you bring them with you. And I think there are a few, few key lessons that came out of that that really, really helped us, I think. Great. And then a piece of advice you'd give to a young person starting out on their career to follow in your footsteps. So I would say, and I always say this, I think if you're thinking about starting your own business, um, take, take, take some little action. It could be um, sketching a brand logo. Um, writing down a list of potential names in a spreadsheet, um, buying the Instagram Instagram handle or signing up for it. Um, something re- it could be small, but I think that just starts kind of the flywheel, the momentum going. Um, before then, I, I know a lot of people who have these ideas, but perhaps are scared to start. And, you know, we all have that as, with various tasks. But I think kind of putting something onto paper or onto text or just getting that, yeah, getting it started, I think the rest will quite happily follow. Um, and it will, you know, it may take off, it may not, but you'll have actually started something, even if it becomes totally different to what you imagined to begin with. Um, but just taking that small action um, to kind of start something you, you feel passionate about. And then, Zoe, how can listeners get in touch with you? So the, the best place really um, is our website, um, which is uh, sungod.co, um, but also Instagram. Um, we're, we're quite active on Instagram and that's our handle is um, we underscore r underscore sungod. 
we yeah we love to hear from customers fans um there's a very very quick feedback loop amongst our customer experience team and, and the rest of the wider team that we that we keep very very active so yeah we, we'd love to hear from you there and a great chance and opportunity for listeners to actually check out your uh, sunglasses and goggles on the website as well absolutely yes <laughs> please do <laughs> come and design a pair so it's been great fun thank you very much for your time thanks very much nick Thanks for listening to Different Perspective, a Zeus podcast. If you'd like to feature on the podcast or get in touch, you can contact me on live at zeuscapital.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.